0: this is section twenty two of mark twain a biography this librivox recording is in the public domain mark twain a biography by albert bigelow Payne, volume one part one eighteen thirty five to eighteen sixty six chapter twenty two the old call of the river when spring came with budding life and quickening impulses when the trees in the parks began to show a hint of green the amazonian idea developed afresh and the would-be cocoa hunter prepared for his expedition he had saved a little money enough to take him to new orleans and he decided to begin his long trip with a peaceful journey down the mississippi for once at least to give himself up to that indolent luxury of the majestic stream that had been so large a part of his early dreams the ohio river steamers were not the most sumptuous craft afloat but they were slow and hospitable. The winter had been bleak and hard. Spring fever and a large love of indolence had combined in that drowsy condition which makes one willing to take his time. Mark Twain tells us in Life on the Mississippi that he ran away, vowing to never return until he could come home a pilot, shedding glory. This is a literary statement. The pilot ambition had never entirely died, but it was Coca and the Amazon that were uppermost in his head when he engaged passage on the Paul Jones for New Orleans, and so conferred immortality on that ancient little craft. He bade good-bye to McFarlane, put his traps aboard, the bell rang, the whistle blew, the gangplank was hauled in, and he had set out on a voyage that was to continue not for a week or a fortnight but for four years four marvelous sunlit years the glory of which would color all that followed them in the mississippi book the author conveys the impression of being then a boy of perhaps seventeen writing from that standpoint he records incidents that were more or less inventions or that happened to others he was in reality considerably more than twenty-one years old for it was april eighteen fifty seven that he went aboard the paul jones and he was fairly familiar with steamboats and the general requirements of piloting he had been brought up in a town that turned out pilots he had heard the talk of their trade one at least of the bowen boys was already on the river while sam clemens was still a boy in hannibal and had often been home to air his grandeur and dilate on the marvel of his work that learning the river was no light task sam clemens very well knew Nevertheless, as the little boat made its drowsy way down the river into lands that grew ever pleasanter with advancing spring, the old permanent ambition of boyhood stirred again, and the call of the faraway Amazon, with its coca and its variegated zoology, grew faint. Horace Bixby, pilot of the Paul Jones, then a man of thirty-two, still living, 1910, and at the wheel, the writer of this memoir interviewed mr bixby personally and has followed his phrasing throughout was looking out over the bow at the head of island number thirty-five when he heard a slow pleasant voice say good morning bixby was a clean-cut direct courteous man good morning sir he said briskly without looking around as a rule mr bixby did not care for visitors in the pilot-house This one presently came up and stood a little behind him. How would you like a young man to learn the river?" he said. The pilot glanced over his shoulder and saw a rather slender, loose-limbed young fellow with a fair, girlish complexion and a great tangle of auburn hair. I wouldn't like it. Cub pilots are more trouble than they're worth, a great deal more trouble than profit. The applicant was not discouraged. I am a printer by trade he went on in his easy deliberate way it doesn't agree with me i thought i'd go to south america bixby kept his eye on the river but a note of interest crept into his voice what makes you pull your words that way pulling being the river term for drawling he asked the young man had taken a seat on the visitor's bench You'll have to ask my mother, he said, more slowly than ever. She pulls hers, too. Pilot Bixby woke up and laughed. He had a keen sense of humor, and the manner of the reply amused him. His guest made another advance. Do you know the Bowen boys, he asked, pilots in the St. Louis and New Orleans trade? I know them well, all three of them. William Bowen did his first steering for me, a mighty good boy, too, had a testament in his pocket when he came aboard. In a week's time he had swapped it for a pack of cards. I know Sam, too, and Bart, old schoolmates of mine in Hannibal. Sam and Will especially were my chums. Come over and stand by the side of me," he said. What is your name? The applicant told him. And the two stood looking at the sunlit water do you drink no do you gamble no sir do you swear not for amusement only under pressure do you chew no sir never but i must smoke did you ever do any steering was bixby's next question i have steered everything on the river but a steamboat i guess very well take the wheel and see what you can do with a steamboat keep her as she is toward that lower cottonwood snag bixby had a sore foot and was glad of a little relief he sat down on the bench and kept a careful eye on the course by and by he said there is just one way that i would take a young man to learn the river that is For money. What do you charge? $500, and I to be at no expense whatever. In those days, pilots were allowed to carry a learner or cub board free. Mr. Bixby meant that he was to be at no expense in port or for incidentals. His terms looked rather discouraging. I haven't got $500 in money, Sam said i've got a lot of tennessee land worth twenty-five cents an acre i'll give you two thousand acres of that bixby dissented no i don't want any unimproved real estate i have too much already sam reflected upon the amount he could probably borrow from pamela's husband without straining his credit well then i'll give you one hundred dollars cash and the rest when i earn it something about this young man had one horace bixby's heart his slow pleasant speech his unhurried quiet manner with the wheel his evident sincerity of purpose these were externals but beneath them the pilot felt something of that quality of mind or heart which later made the world love mark twain the terms proposed were agreed upon the deferred payments were to begin when the pupil had learned the river and was receiving pilot's wages during mr bixby's daylight watches his pupil was often at the wheel that trip while the pilot sat directing him and nursing his sore foot any literary ambitions samuel clemens may have had grew dim by the time they had reached new orleans he had almost forgotten he had been a printer and when he learned that no ship would be sailing to the Amazon for an indefinite period, the feeling grew that a directing hand had taken charge of his affairs. From New Orleans his chief did not return to Cincinnati, but went to St. Louis, taking with him his new cub, who thought it fine, indeed, to come steaming up to that great city with its thronging waterfront, its levee fairly packed with trucks, drays, and piles of freight, the whole flanked with a solid mile of steamboats lying side by side bow a little upstream their belching stacks reared high against the blue a towering front of trade it was glorious to nose one's way to a place in that stately line to become a unit however small of that imposing fleet at st louis sam borrowed from mr moffat the funds necessary to make up his first payment And so concluded his contract. Then, when he suddenly found himself on a fine big boat in a pilot-house so far above the water that he seemed perched on a mountain, a sumptuous temple, his happiness seemed complete. End of chapter twenty two. The Old Call of the River. Read by John Greenman.